Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 2 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. I am your slightly more confident than last week but still fairly nervous host, Sai, and I want to thank you all for pressing play and taking the time to listen. Before we get on to today's guest, I want to let everyone know a little bit about what's coming up on the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Um, As we enter September, the WWE is currently scheduling their Clash of Champions event for the end of this month. And historically, if you look back through Jim Crockett Promotions, the NWA, WCW, and so on, September has been a great month for former Clash of the Champions events. So because of this, we're going to be looking back at plenty of Clash of Champions events through all the various different companies. And at the end of September, we're going to be taking a look at the latest offering from the WWE as they promote their show. I will be looking out for people's memories, um, good and bad and awful, of Clash of Champions events throughout the years, uh, you can contact the show via Twitter and Facebook at SJP Wrestling Pod. Uh, you can find me, Sai, at SJP Words. So get in contact and let me know your thoughts and memories, all things Clash of Champions. Um, but that's coming up in the future few weeks, whereas today we are very fortunate to have a great guest. Um, former Evolution Wrestling talent and now plying his trade for Southwest Wrestling, the NBWA, Exposure Wrestling, Reach Wrestling and many, many more companies all throughout the UK, Mr. David Eaton. Uh, We discuss David's role in putting together his group, the Heritage City Hitmen. We discuss the different companies he's worked for as well as looking at what got him into wrestling in the first place um, as a fan and a performer. It really was a fascinating discussion with David. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Um, If you see his name on any posters or any events nearby you once lockdown is finished, I strongly advise you to buy a ticket and go and check out his work. He's one of my favourite independent wrestlers. Um, I've always enjoyed every match I've seen him in. Absolutely fantastic stuff. So, without further delay, here is the man himself, one third of the Heritage City Hitmen, The purest, Mr. David Eaton. Mr. David Eaton, hello. How are you doing, sir? Hello, you all right? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. How are you? Yeah, things are good. Things are good. Good. Spending a lot of time at home at the moment. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm very much in the same boat. Um, First of all, thank you very much for uh, sparing some time to uh, come on and talk to me. Um, No worries. You'll have to bear with me. I'm very, very new to this whole process and and starting my own podcast and so on. So please bear with me and uh, be patient from that front, if you would, please, sir. Of course. I'm remarkably patient. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) Okay. um, First of all, I mean, you mentioned there um, you're spending quite a bit of time at home because of lockdown and so on. I mean, one of the the first things I suppose I need to ask is how how has it affected you, the whole lockdown COVID-19 situation? Obviously, wrestling shows at the moment aren't running so that's going to be one aspect but uh how how has it affected you in general i'm very fortunate like um and i'll preface with that because like my my intention has always been just to wrestle for fun so as busy as i've got sort of over the last like couple of years with kind of like traveling around uh, and wrestling and and doing things um I've, i've never relied on it like i've never wanted to make it a job um so it it's like and it was really weird because like we had shows and we had shows planned and then everything stopped. Like everything just like stopped straight away in the middle of a week. That was it. There was a show coming up at the weekend and then it wasn't happening anymore. And that was sort of like, like you could see it coming. Like I remember like back in March going like, oh, this pandemic stuff is looking pretty serious. I think we're probably going to run into something soon. Um, 
but like we'd had a show in Stroud for Southwest um, the weekend before. Um, and there was another show coming up sort of that weekend. And I remember sitting here as like, I don't think I'm going to be going to a show at the weekend. Like you watch, like catch clips of the news or whatever. And it just yes. like was getting significantly worse over the course of a week. And it's like, people are going to start canceling things. And then it got to like a Thursday or a Friday. And that's so close to a show date as well. Like I really felt for promoters more than anything. Like obviously, um, there are wrestlers who who rely on wrestling um and obviously there are other people who work in ancillary roles who rely on wrestling but the promoters are investing so much in every show um and like it, the headache that they must have had must have been ridiculous so yeah i'm i'm just very fortunate that all it's meant for me really is that i um am at home an awful lot um but that means i get to spend more time with my wife and my pets and and that's not a bad thing in any sense for me um so yeah i've quietly been quite enjoying it <laughs> okay okay well that's good i suppose if, if you can find some enjoyment out of it i mean that's uh I, I always try to look at positives in any situation i can where possible um i've been home myself so it's nice being around the kids and so on so that that's a positive in that i suppose i mean you get some people that obviously aren't are maybe as as lucky as us maybe i guess yeah yeah definitely and and that's like exactly why i said what i said at the very beginning like i just feel very fortunate that sort of it it hasn't impacted me in the way that sort of it's impacted so many people um so like i can't complain whatsoever like i've not like not been able to wrestle for six months that's like it's not the best thing in the world but at the same time like it could be so much worse for me i'm not going to complain for a second no no that's that's a very good outlook to have i suppose yeah um Okay, well, I mean, with regards to, to, to the wrestling side of things, uh, as a fan, because I suppose I, I'm, I can't see how that wouldn't have come first, obviously, um, as a fan, how, how did you first stumble across this, this crazy world of uh, professional wrestling? What, what are your first memories um, on the television and, and so on? So my first memory is, like, we had... Um four channels when i was a kid i'm giving away my age now oh i'm, um, I'm very much <laughs> i can remember that myself yep but yeah we, we had like four channels so that like there really was no wrestling that i was aware of because like i didn't realize that it like it was probably on like quite late at night on a sunday or something like that um and like i didn't really know of it until i was about probably i would have been 13 or 14 i think the first show that i saw i borrowed a vhs tape of um it would have been the royal rumble from like 2001 so it was cactus jack and um not yeah cactus jack and triple h um were in like if not the main event like it was the main event in my head because that match was crazy um the street street fight yeah yeah that would have been 2000 i think 2000 right so i I would have been i mean i'd have to double check i think so yeah yeah, so um, I remember like two things from that show. Right? I remember the street fight, and I think the same show. And I could be remembering this completely wrong, um, but I think on the same show was like Taz and Kurt Angle or something like that. No, that's 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 right. Yeah, I think it was yeah. in it was in New York, wasn't it? I believe the show and taz got a ridiculous reaction from the fans when he came out yeah he seemed like a superstar right that hooked me that's right yeah straight away (laughs) like that was crazy like um i was like who's this guy like taz isn't particularly big but like he had a real aura right um so yeah his um fairly brief from what i remember match and the the street fight between triple h and cactus jack were what really sort of hooked me into wrestling um and yeah, that was that was sort of my first experience of it. And then like I'd continue to like borrow tapes, um, and I'd be like, oh, "Mom, Dad, can I can I like borrow the TV and like watch wrestling?" And they're like, "Why do you want to watch wrestling for? Isn't it like all a bit like, you know, fake or whatever?" And I was like, "Well, I yeah, probably, but like it's really cool. Look at this." And then as time went on, my mom would like be in the room while it was on. And she eventually became a fan of like the rock and started sitting down and watching it with me. Um, so it was, it became something for sort of like the family to bond over a little bit for like the, the three or four years that that kind of happened before I drifted off to other interests for a while. Right. Okay. I mean, that's, 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 that's pretty cool from my standpoint. I'm sitting down and watching it with members of your family as well. I mean, I went for a short spell of doing that myself 
but it was more when I was much older and I ended up moving back home for a period and I had it on and would just have my dad sort of going off oh, a crying out loud um, <laughs> when he came in from work because it would be on, you know, Raw would be re-shown on like a, a Thursday night or a Wednesday night or whenever it was um, and he'd be coming in from work halfway through the show uh, but after a couple of weeks of this happening, I think secretly he was getting into it. I mean, he would never admit yeah. to that, but I, I think deep down that was uh, that was going on. So, <laughs> See, yeah, I, I think my mum sort of more outwardly got into it and actually sat down and watched. My dad would sort of sit and do a crossword, um, but at the same time, I think he was sort of quietly getting into it. He, he's very much like me; like he's quite stoic. Um, so he he would never outwardly admit to liking that wrestling stuff, but like um, yeah, I think he was he was quietly enjoying it as well sometimes. I mean, my lasting memory from from that time, I, mean, I was probably uh, in my twenties when I went back home for for that short period, was um, a John Cena intro and my dad actually looking up from his dinner and the exact phrase was. Not this guy again. This guy's <laughs> this guy's an effing clown, and oh, that, re- that really sort of stood out <laughs> in my mind. That okay, well you've obviously seen enough of it to make a judgment, right or wrong, whether that's yeah. correct or not. You know, it's <laughs> exactly right, and that's what wrestling's all about. It's about like making people feel something. Yeah, exactly. Getting reactions and so on, isn't it? It's, yeah, definitely. I mean, you you mentioned there about um, seeing Taz and Triple H and Cactus Jack at, at the Rumble that year, and and so on, and that's sort of starting you off. Yeah. Um, were they, were they the guys who were your your, your sort of early favourites, or were there other people you were drawn to? I mean, who who were your? No, that's a really good question actually, because they weren't. I just really liked all those matches caught my attention, and then like I start, I, I think I really enjoyed the Hardy Boys. They were around at that sort of time, weren't they? Yeah, that's... Um, they were. Um, see, my favourites ended up being because I didn't have Sky, and I was only like exposed to people like. Um, Triple H and The Rock, um, et cetera, et cetera, either if they were on heat on a Sunday night, which I used to sort of sneak onto my telly before I go to sleep, yeah. um, or if I like borrowed a VHS of a like of, of a pay-per-view. Um, so my favorites ended up being like the guys that would wrestle on heat. It'd be like Jeff Hardy and like S.A. Rios and Lita and people like that. Um, maybe like not so much Dean Malenko and things, but like they'd be the people I knew about. And then like mm-hmm. when I saw them on the pay-per-views, which was sort of a little bit more rare, it seemed a bit special. So I'd like follow them a bit more. Um, so those are sort of my early favorites. And then like we did eventually kind of like get Sky or I got access to it um, through the internet or something like that. And I'd start to like, obviously the rocks was everyone's favorite um, in the early 2000s. Um but there's like then guys like Triple H and Stone Cold and stuff and like everyone who like seems important still now. Other yep. people like as a kid, you're like, wow, these guys are amazing. Um, and I just kind of like followed everybody. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, the guys like The Rock and so on. It's so charismatic and yeah, it, they make they make a, an impact on you. And it, it I, I, we obviously we we talking of you know similar ages and so on. Fortunate enough to uh, have watched this as it was happening. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, four children, the eldest being 16, sorry, the eldest being 17 now, um, and my youngest daughter, who is the, the wrestling mad one, who is 10 years of age, and she watches a lot of stuff on the network, she's crazy into AEW, uh, watches old NWA pay-per-views, I mean, oh, she, wow. you know, she went for a spell of watching War Games matches recently, because my, my um, first recording was, was covering War Games with, with a guest I had there. Oh, cool. And she she got massively into all that um, the old eighties NWA stuff. Um, yeah. But again, guys like The Rock and Austin, even now, all these years later, to fresh eyes seeing them, they stand out with that charisma. There's, there's just, mm. it, I, I guess, I guess it's an overused term, perhaps, but they have the it factor, I suppose, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Like The Rock did a, um, I don't know if you watched the DC fandom thing over the weekend, but The Rock did a message on that. And you can't help but be drawn to him when he talks, right? Um, he's just got that charisma, that that's something that makes you want to pay attention to him um, when he's talking or when he's on a screen. Um, and that's why it's the highest paid actor in Hollywood now. Like you can't really teach that. It's it's something that, that that's either innate or that you work out for yourself. I think over over the course of your life. Um, but yeah, even if you go back and watch like The Rock 
um, and his promos now, like if you watch them as an adult, you're like, the, the content of this is actual nonsense, like oh, complete totally. nonsense. But you're still <laughs> kind of like, oh, this is cool, this is funny, um, and I, he just gets it, doesn't he? He just gets it. Yeah, I mean, on the topic of the rock and the promos again, I mean, I watched some back again recently, researched for an article I was working on, um, and it is, like I say, it is nonsense, yes. But then you look at say. Austin in that same sort of era, Triple H in that same sort of era, um, they're they're talking, they're interacting and so on. Um, there's a lot more potentially to what they're saying. The Rock almost comes across like a cliche machine. It's like he's yeah. he's got he's got these pre-saved um, sayings and he's just hitting them one by one. But in a way, that's well, not in a way. That, that's probably main, a main part of the appeal because everyone knows what's coming. They can join in. And it's yeah. fantastic to to have that crowd interaction, I suppose. I mean, I've never been fortunate enough to be in that situation where I've got many people chanting my name or booing me. But, well, people booing me, potentially. I'm not always popular. But, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting as well, you're saying about the, the early days of watching Heat with the likes of the Hardys and S.A. Rios and so on. Um, they're quite... Well, they they use they use a lot of uh, high flying moves, I guess you would describe it as. Whereas when I've seen your matches, and by the way, which I always enjoy, I think looking at what you do in the ring in comparison to a lot of other people on on the shows with you, you have almost a slightly unique style. It's it, it, I wouldn't want to pigeonhole it and say it's mat based, but what you do ticks a lot of boxes for me watching it's actual wrestling if that makes sense whereabouts did that sort of come in was that coming from something you wanted to do straight away or was that something you developed as you you worked over time or i think i kind of owe it a little bit to um, one of my first trainers so um when i started training which was a um evolution wrestling it's probably back in like 2011 or something okay. um they had a chap called um steve speed um who was taking some sessions there on sunday mornings or whatever but he is um a, an old british wrestler um was on world of sport wrestling um a bit in the 80s um and he sort of opened my eyes really to to like the world of sports style to to kind of like what british wrestling was mm -hmm. um which is completely different to to the american style from oh, like so. a casual viewer's perspective like um you got kent walton who's like commentating it as if it's snooker and then like the guys are like very technical very like chain based up until the point where it gets to like big daddy and stuff and it becomes more spectacle um but like it's this it it just spoke to me in, in like a way as being very different like um at the time i just got back into wrestling um probably like a few months before i think it was sort of around the time that um there was a wrestlemania and then edge retired like immediately afterwards um yeah and so i just happened to nine ten years ago maybe yeah nine or ten years ago i kind yeah. of, i just happened to catch like the the raw after that wrestlemania or something i was like wow this is like emotional stuff like what's yeah. been going on and it kind of hooked me back in through that so i was like well let's watch the wrestlemania then see what happened and i was like oh it was just a match like but like this is pretty cool i remember wrestling this is great let's get like into it a bit more and like um i was going through like a change in jobs and stuff at the time. And I was like, um, wanting to get like a bit more fit and stuff. So I was like, well, I don't just want to go to a gym. Um, let's try and like do some sort of group class activity that I really enjoy. So I like hit up Google and found, um, this wrestling training Academy, um, which turned out to be, um, evolution wrestling in Gloucester um and yeah i went down had a chat with them there just kind of saw a couple of sessions taking place went oh yeah okay this looks fun um might jump in and sort of it'll snowboard from there really okay well i mean that that actually ticks a few boxes of the questions i wanted to ask you there. <laughs> yeah, i was going to say about how did you start the training and so on i mean you mentioned there though that um you kind of fell away from watching for a little while before seeing the the Edge promo on Raw that was quite emotional when he had to call it. Uh, well, he had to retire then. Obviously, he's made a return now, hasn't he? Um, what was it that kind of made you fall away? Was was it you know work commitments, getting older, and it, a lack of interest in the product? Uh, I um, think it was it was just life. 
you know like you you're a teenager you have tons and tons of time on your hands like uh, most of my hobbies were like playing computer games and stuff at the time so i had plenty of time to like sit and watch stuff um but then sort of as you get older like um towards like your late teens you start like having school pressures and exams and stuff and i was skateboarding a lot so i was outside in a lot of my free time um so i think i just i just stopped watching um and then i went to university and i barely had like a tv signal in my university room um so like it, i just didn't have the opportunity to watch it so there was another three years where i couldn't really watch or didn't really have an opportunity to get back into it um and yeah it's probably took another few years after that for me to get into a position where i was like even bored enough to try and look some wrestling up or whatever um but it kind of just weird how things fall into place over time isn't it yeah no yeah definitely it's, it's in if you'd have caught potentially um a monday night raw or a smackdown in a couple of later weeks there might not have been something that caught your attention on those shows it just maybe was meant to be how things drop i guess yeah exactly and it it's kind of really weird to say like a guy having a career ending injury is the reason that i decided to start doing wrestling um mm -hmm. but i guess that's kind of the the fact of it yeah i mean i suppose it comes back to what we were saying wasn't it about a reaction from people um, it's a sad situation that the edge had to call it a day there, but it got a reaction from you. I mean, it's it very much so that same that same roar, that same segment, that same speech got a huge reaction in my house. I mean, my wife is a huge Edge fan or Edge head, as I suppose you might might call them. Um, just sat here bawling her eyes out throughout the whole thing. She's still to this day. The nine, ten years later, if that promo comes on, you can see her bottom lip and her eyes welling up. Oh. It, it's still, and you know, and because my wife is getting emotional, sometimes I have a little tang of it myself. Yeah, it's, I yeah. haven't dared. I haven't dared go back and watch that. Ah, well, there you go. Perhaps that's something you could do later and message me and let me know how you get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could, my screen stops working when it gets wet. I wouldn't be able to text you. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so after the. Uh, the sort of tear-jerking moments of seeing Mr. Copeland have to call it a day. Um, you then started training, as you say, and how how did that go? Your early training sessions were there? Were there any surprises or nasty shocks or anything you were not expecting, or did you find it easier, more difficult? And how, how were the early the early days? It was difficult, man. Like the um, the 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 worst thing about people calling wrestling fake is it, it depreciates how difficult. It really is to mm -hmm. um, develop the the body control and the um, like the movement and the spacing and everything there is that goes into like even putting on the most basic professional wrestling contest. Um, but like you just take it one step at a time. Like my um, mindset going in was never to even have a match on a show. I just wanted to go in, have some fun, get fit. Um, so it was like no rush for me really yeah, like um i'd go in and um everyone would be lovely they'd guide you through things like you'd learn how to like take your first steps like across the ring or like run into the ropes without it hurting you terribly or take a bump without smacking your head on the floor um and as great as the the training academy at, um evolution wrestling was like it was an amazing setup they had like a couple of rings and like matted area and like they had great trainers i think at the time they had like i mentioned steve speed they had mm -hmm. gilligan gordon they had um buzzsaw bronson coming in every now and again um they'd have t-bone here and there they'd have yestin reese come down like they they had some of like the the best guys around at the time that were kind of like guiding you through things um so it was a it's kind of like you go back and you go back and you kind of get hooked on on the learning process of it right you get hooked on improving yourself and getting better and like you get fitter and you start to be able to sort of like control your body more like as you um like drop a bit of weight or like um you gain a little bit of muscle you gain control over your limbs a bit more and you're like less flailing around and stuff um and i get kind of addicted to that continual improvement cycle a okay. little bit 
um so yeah as soon as i as soon as i started getting somewhere um in terms of like feeling like i i was getting better or whatever then that was that was probably i was kind of a bit hooked right okay so so i mean as as that progressed then as you sort of felt the improvements and wanted to carry on improving and so on um who was it that initiated that step towards the first match i mean you're saying that you were doing it not necessarily to step in the ring yourself but as this progressed was it something you then decided you wanted to do or were your trainers looking at it and thinking i mean i, I don't want to sort of come across like i'm just blowing smoke up your ass but i mean i've always enjoyed your matches so there must have been a stage where your trainers were looking at you and thinking this fella's got something about him here so how did that sort of progress into your first match and then how did your first match go yeah um i think you can probably credit Yestin Reese with that. I think he pulled me aside at one point and was like, listen, Dave, you have to sort of start looking at like being on shows at some point. Like they, they thought I could be a benefit or whatever. Um, so we had a chat about it. We had a chat about where, where sort of I felt I wanted to be because I'm, I'm a terrible overthinker. Um, so at the time I was like, oh yeah, but look at me. I'm like this small runty human being. Like no one's going to want to see me on a show. Like I need to go and like put on 50 pounds and get big and be like a, a proper wrestler. Right. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I kind of had to overcome that before I could, um, accept it. And in the end, um, what happened was we were, um, I think we were training at some point and, and there was supposed to be a tag match um, coming up between some new guys who were coming in um, being trained up quite fast to, to sort of appear on a show as kind of like a, maybe a cross promotional thing or whatever. Um, and the guys who are meant to be wrestling them dropped out. Um, so the promotion is in kind of a bind. So they grabbed um, me and they grabbed Ricky Reed and said, hey, you guys need to tag on this show against sort of like these guys. And I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, and that's actually what ended up becoming the, um, like the Heritage City Hitman. Um, so my first match on a, on a proper show was, um, was a tag match um, with, it was me and Ricky Reed um, against a couple of guys um, who, were, who were also fairly new called like Stunt Stage UK or something like that. Um, and I remember stressing about it for sort of quite a while, but then we got in there and like it, it actually flowed pretty well. It was pretty natural. Okay. Like it was, it was our first match as a tag team. It was their first match as a tag team. It probably wasn't the the greatest tag team match ever. Um, but the, they had a ton of people with them. So the crowd were really hot. <laughs> like for a, for a first match between like a bunch of people who just about knew what they were doing ish right um it, it probably couldn't have gone um much better in terms of like having a uh having crowd reaction to it so i i came out of that sort of um buoyed and um yeah that's essentially the the um the the fact that it went well um kind of spiraled into what became the heritage to the hitman um from there forward okay i mean i've got to ask obviously we're recording this um as an audio call to go onto the podcast have you got your camera on because you're it's almost like you're taking questions directly from my notes <laughs> <laughs> no. my next question was literally uh, uh, to ask about the uh, formation of heritage city hitmen i mean i am as as i speak sat here in a blue t-shirt with a yellow hitmen word across the front of my chest oh um i was a huge fan of you guys when i was uh, seeing you at evolution wrestling shows in gloucester um but from there, obviously, there was the three of you in the group for a while. Where do you stand? Do you prefer working as part of a team or a faction? Or um, are you happier now over time working in singles matches? What, what is your preference? I kind of love both. I think they're very different. Um, I think they are too. I think tag team wrestling is a, is a different art from um, singles wrestling. And um, given that I essentially started in a tag team and then ended up being mostly in a tag team for the first like two or three years of um, doing shows. It, it took me a while to kind of like process the transition back to doing singles. Um, was it difficult to do that? I mean, what was the main differences? Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, what, yeah, was, the, no, what, was, what, was, what was the main 
the, the main stumbling blocks you found personally between going from a tag to a singles, was there something that you just couldn't get over for a while or what was the main issues? No, I think it's just I very much wanted it to, whatever I was doing, I wanted it to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were doing the Hitman stuff, um, from the very beginning, I wanted us to kind of like stand out um, a little bit. And it took a few iterations to get to um, what ended up being the Black Turtlenecks that worked really well for that. Yes. Um, <laughs> The um, whole idea with that obviously ended up being like, okay, we should just look like Bond villains. Um, so, like, if we kind of like try and wrestle in a style that's like a little bit different, and then we like have this sort of Bond villain esque look to us, then you've got something that sort of people can hook onto a little bit um, and at least recognize us um, as a as a single unit. Um, and then going from that to trying to do the same thing, but in the context of a, of a singles wrestler on a show full of singles wrestlers, um, just was a bit more of a challenge. Like it's more of a challenge to be unique when you're on a show full of other individuals, um, compared to when you're on a show that's got maybe two tag team matches because the tag team match in itself is, is like a unique selling point for the match. Um, Luckily, I think I like I hit upon sort of leaning into the British stuff pretty quickly, mostly because it's what I wanted to do. Like, um, if I'm not having fun, then I don't really see the point in wrestling. Um, and sort of being a bit different and and doing stuff a little bit differently has always been part of like that having fun. Like, I've never wanted to sort of go to a show and have a match that's just like everybody else's, um, whether it be sort of that it deliberately makes you feel something different um, or whether it just be that sort of what you're seeing is different. Um, I've always tried to do something um, that that sort of will make my match on the card stand out, whether that be in like a perceived good way or, or, or not, or whether it works or not um, is, is always kind of like a coin toss um, because it means trying different things. Um but yeah, I very much didn't want like the thing that I didn't want to happen when we when we left the tag team where I deliberately done something very stylized and very um, like recognizable um, was to just go to being just a guy as a singles mm-hmm. wrestler. Like I wanted to be like, oh, he's that guy who and then something and that then something just ended up being, oh, he's that guy who does like the, the old British stuff. Um, and it, it kind of ties together sort of my loves in, um, wrestling these days. So I, I watch, um, probably very little like modern wrestling now. Okay. Um, but I'll still like watch a lot of sort of very old, like world of sports stuff. And like a lot of that will be, um, in a studying sense. Um, but there are still sort of, um, the odd match I'll go just go back to, or like the odd the odd wrestler. Like you go you go and watch Johnny Saint, for example, and you can just get mesmerized in yeah. a half an yeah, hour without, match of without like, incredible stuff. Yeah. And he is he's um in in a way he's almost like a physical version of what The Rock has when he he's um talking. Like Johnny Saint has this sort of physical charisma or this like flow to everything that he does. Um, where I think even if you are just sort of a casual viewer and you knew nothing about wrestling and you plonked on a Johnny Saint match in front of somebody, they'd look at him and they'd, they'd at least for a minute, he'd have their attention. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Again, it comes down to that that it factor, I suppose. I mean, you, you say about with The Rock and the charisma on the microphone that's probably his sparkle, for want of a better term. Of oh, course, um, The Rock had it um, physically as well. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks the, great and so on, and his, his matches. I, I always enjoyed watching him work, but he's not going to put on an absolute clinic like some of the guys you might see from maybe more modern New Japan or something like that, is he? He's a very different yeah, type of wrestler. It's, but... it's, that's not the point. The point with The Rock and the, the greatest thing about The Rock, um, if you go back and watch his stuff, is that everything he does has its own unique spin on it. 
Um, so if you look like the people's elbow is like the most obvious example because it's an elbow drop, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he takes his he takes his pad off and he raises an eyebrow and he throws it out and somebody has a they've got something to take home with them. He's got blooming expensive elbow pad probably to take home with them. Yeah. Um, and then he like the way he runs across the ring is different to anybody else. The stomp like, he'll, as well he'll when, he, when he stamps on someone. Yeah. When he's like stamps, a different I used to mannerism. do that stomp. For like um, my first few years in wrestling, I loved that stunt so much with the little flick to it. Mm. Um, and they do that on the Spinebuster as well. Like um, if you you watch people do like a straight Spinebuster, they'll they'll pick them up and they'll drop them straight back down. Yeah. The Rock will pick them up. He'll put his legs straight through between their legs and then he'll kick it back as they go down. It adds a little bit of extra momentum to it, but it gives mm. it a bit of extra style as well. And it's all those little physical charisma things that he was so great at. So again, this is this is why I'm so happy to to have you on and discuss these things, because the, the, one of the the intro I recorded for my first episode, one of one of the the comments I made about what I want to do with the show is speak to people who have been in the ring, who have experienced it one way or another, to get these little mannerisms and differences and different viewpoints, different perspectives, for for people to to listen. Um, I mean, there's certain things you're pointing out there that wouldn't have entered my mind because I've got no experience in that field whatsoever. But now you've pointed it out, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm about it, and you're absolutely spot on. It's, it's so simple, but it makes such a big difference to what he's producing and what he's doing, and it just adds to that star power all over, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Like If you um, saw the move dummies in a, in a WWE game do one of The Rock's moves, you'd know immediately yeah. that it's The Rock's move. Very true. That's a real good way of putting it, yep. Definitely. And mentioning Johnny Saint as well. Um, that's my mum's favourite wrestler. Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah, she, she's a... Uh, uh, I did a thing recently where, again, I was looking for um, ideas for the show and, and so on, and I was asking people who don't necessarily watch a lot of wrestling if they can name five wrestlers from any era, any time, and so on. Yeah. And you got the standard Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and so on and so on. My mum's first one she sent back to me via via Messenger within literally ten seconds. Johnny Saint straight away. <laughs> that was that was that was not open for debate. That was the top of her list. So, ah, uh, I love that. That's so cool. I I was super fortunate um, enough to to train with Johnny Saint a little bit up in North Wales a couple of years ago, and oh, he's wow. like obviously getting on his years. Um, he'd just started doing stuff with NXT UK and stuff, but he was still getting in, getting stuck in, and like actively demonstrating things. And he's he's still as smooth as he probably ever was. It's incredible <laughs> to see. It really is. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, opportunities to work with people like that as well, train with people like that. It must be incredible. It must be such an experience. Um, you must always be looking to learn, I'm assuming, at every opportunity. And these these people it must have such a wealth of knowledge to to, to pass on. Um, was there anyone else that you can think of that you've worked with or it, it maybe in the ring? Is there anyone where you, you've wrestled someone in particular and you've come away thinking, wow, that was, that was exceptional or that I've learned something new there? Oh man, there's so many. Like I'll I'll learn some. I I'm a really big believer that you can learn something from everybody. Okay. Um, everybody yep. everybody has different experiences. Everybody has um, things that they can bring to the table. Um, obviously, there there's very obvious people that I've wrestled that that you learn just immense amounts from um, just from being in the ring with them. People like Joel Redman, people like Yestin Reese, um, who literally just from the, the the process of wrestling them, you sort of go, Jesus, so much I need to work on this guy. Like <laughs> now I know stuff that I know I don't know, or I came into this like not knowing I didn't know it. Um, if that, if you can pass that as a as a as an English sentence. No, I understand um, where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, but the um, I I'm I'm a real believer like. Someone walking in their door on their first day brings with them something unique um, that you can learn from them. Um, and like, I'm not the most outgoing person. And if I was the most outgoing person, I'd literally be asking questions to everybody all the time. Um, as it is, like, if someone like strikes up a conversation with me, I'll I'll try my best to like learn from them as much as I can, even even if they're new and I'm not, even if they're 17 and i'm 34 like it's 
um everyone has their own experiences in life and it it's um it's, yeah it's something you can learn from everybody at least i think yeah no i mean that's a, i think that's a great way of uh of looking at things is um uh, again this is a new venture for me um just being able to speak to people uh, other fans wrestlers such as yourselves and so on is 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 great i'm enjoying what i'm doing so far um and each person i speak with i learn a little more about how to go about with this process i'm I, i'm learning as i'm speaking to you here I'm, i think i'm picking up things to that i can take into the next interview i do so the, the outlook you've got of learning from so many influential people i mean like say yestin reese and uh, joel redman and so on i see them at evolution wrestling shows and they do stand out as having that experience having that again i suppose you might call it sort of star quality to them so having those people to learn from is is it's got to be fantastic for anyone around i guess oh yeah um, absolutely absolutely yeah um so as we approach the end of our conversation here, I mean, again, thank you very, very much for spending some of your evening discussing this wonderful, crazy world of pro wrestling with me. Um, something I wish to ask is if you could just go back and speak to yourself right before you walk through the door of your first training session, give yourself one bit of advice to, to the younger Mr. Eaton before he pops into that first training session, what do you think you tell yourself? Is there anything you want to prepare yourself for or any, any advice you want to give a younger version of yourself? I think I'd probably tell myself not to overthink things so much. Okay. Like, um, and I said it earlier on, like I am a, like a classic overthinker. You'll, um, be going over something whether it be in training or in normal life or whatever and like it's part perfectionism and part over analysis where you'll what? be like is this gonna work is it like is it too simple or is has somebody else done this is someone else doing this already is it boring are people just gonna sort of like pick up their phone if i do this um and at the end of the day like a lot of um what matters in wrestling isn't the things you do not necessarily the things you do it, it's um it's the the effort and the passion that you're putting into them because when you see somebody who is um giving their all or putting everything they have into something that's immediately engaging and mm -hmm. overthinking can stop you from doing that like if you're constantly in your head over stuff, um, you're immediately kind of going to close up. Um, and particularly early on in sort of when I started um, doing shows and things, I'd be like in the ring and like thinking too much about what my next thing should, what, what should I do next? How am I supposed to counter this? Or like, what am I going to do? And it stops you from being able to sort of exude your passion or like really express yourself properly almost not almost sort of being in the moment maybe sort of thing yeah is that, it's is that what you're sort of perfect stops you being in the moment because you're stuck inside your head you're not experiencing the things that are going on around you right um so like that would be my advice to myself like to it and it really clicked sort of after sort of probably four or five years for me it took to to just kind of like stop really overanalyzing stuff and start to really sort of just be comfortable being in the moment because at the end of the day like if you make a mistake it doesn't matter like what does it matter um and when you're new to something like making a mistake seems like the worst thing in the world but as you mm. get more comfortable and as you you start to realize that if you make a mistake um as long as it's not a dangerous mistake which should have been trained out of you early on anyway um like the 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 worst thing that happens is it's maybe a bit embarrassing and that's okay right you just dust yourself off and carry on so yeah a, a lot of um a lot of what i would advise younger me is just to to stop overthinking things okay no that makes that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense Okay then. I mean, before we go on to the last, uh, the last segment of of the interview here, um, there's a couple of quick things I want to ask. 
Yeah. Whereabouts do we stand right now then? This is a very, very selfish question. But whereabouts <laughs> do we stand right now then with the Heritage City Hitman? Where do we stand with the Heritage City Hitman? That's a really good question. Um, we have been sort of probably on hiatus since what? April? No. I can't remember. Um, it with regards been... to lockdown, you mean, or with regards to the group themselves? With regards to the group themselves. So okay, it was probably right. like mid last year when um, Goodwin decided to step away from wrestling for a little bit. Um, and he was the, the the last surviving other one at the time. Um, mm-hmm. the, the group itself kind of like, it, it never stopped existing. Um, we just stopped having matches. like we still talk to each other like um we're still very much in each other's lives um but obviously um goodwin and myself decided to um do some work for southwest wrestling who are um fantastic company also based in gloucestershire it did preclude us from doing anything else in gloucestershire um because there are two companies there um and like they 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 don't coexist particularly well um ricky has continued to do um some stuff with evolution that's cool like we still talk to him um he's um doing all right for himself i think just in general um if there is ever an opportunity for us to to have a match together i think we'd probably um all take it um uh, uh, this point if if people are available and end up for doing a bit of wrestling um but like the the group never really like stopped existing it's just the um the the opportunities never kind of came around for all of us to be together in the same place at the same time and obviously with goodwin stepping away from wrestling for a while um that was really sort of the the end of me and him doing stuff um for the time being and then lockdown happened um and that was it but um yeah i like it it never died it's it's still there it's just a um like it it's it's i don't know i don't want to say it'll definitely come back at any point but i don't Mm -hmm. think it's off the table no i understand i understand well um whether it was any combination of the two or all three of you together um when my wife and i and my two daughters would come to shows you'd always get a reaction out of all four of us um i would normally be cheering the wife would normally be clapping and my daughters would be booing and then telling us (laughs) off for not for not booing with them especially my youngest she'd get a little bit irate because i'd be cheering for you guys against maybe Yestin, who obviously she thinks is the most wonderful man on the planet. <laughs> She's got more pictures of him than she has me, her own father. You know. It's... Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anytime I was uh, applauding you guys uh, and she thought I should have been doing, she'd give me a stern look. But, yeah, you always got a, a great reaction out of us uh, from, I mean, my daughter, like I said, is 10. I'm 40. That's quite a ra- age range there. I always enjoyed your matches. They were great. I always looked out for them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a shame that I don't see you on evolution shows anymore, but I hope to catch you again when lockdown is done and shows start running again properly. I hope to be able to see, see you back in the ring. Um, I hope to be able to pay somewhere to come and watch you work again. Cause I've always enjoyed watching what you do and always enjoyed your matches myself. So yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, um, it's very much just an, if the stars align sort of thing. Yeah. I think at, the, uh, at this point, like we're all very happy doing our own thing um, at the moment. So it, if the um, if everything kind of like fell together in the right way, then you might see the uh, the Heritage City Hitman back again. But it's um, the, there's no plans at the moment. I can tell you that much. Ah, uh, okay. Well, if that does if that does happen, you'll have to pre-warn me. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. This T-shirt is a little bit older now. I'm a little bit wider. It's a little bit snugger than I'd like. Uh, so maybe you'll have to look at a bigger size or something. I mean, <laughs> you're the, the, you're the reason is, like, those t-shirts exist. You know, you, you're one of the reasons those t-shirts exist. Even is that right? Um, because the um, one of my things was like we're villains. We shouldn't have much. Um, yep, so I think I probably said that to you around the time because like you you were asking about and like a couple of people were asking about sort of having t-shirts or whatever. Mm. And I've always been like because I because I wrestle for the love of it, right? Um, I. I've no plans on on making wrestling a career. I've never wanted it to feel like a job. Um, So I've never really been 
too concerned about the the the, the money side of wrestling. Yeah. Um, so it never really crossed my mind to have merch because, like I say, we're villains. Why would anyone want our merch anyway? Um, but also because, like, there are people who who obviously do um, want to make their living like wrestling, and I've never wanted to sort of be the reason that someone who wanted to make a living wrestling couldn't that night um, or whatever, maybe. So, like, I've always kind of like, if people want to make merch um, for my character or whatever it may be, um, then, like, it's happened a couple of times where, like, the promotion will make some um, and then the, the promotion can kind of, like, um, they we get sort of something for our our fans or our detractors to buy and burn or whatever, um, and then like the promotion obviously gets to to have merchandise of their uh, of their performers, um, but doing it as a as a personal thing um, only really came about because people were asking for it, um, and I was so flattered that that people were asking for it that was. Um, yeah, it, it it was kind of incredible. So like, yeah, you're you're at least one of the reasons that T-shirt even exists. Oh, bloody hell, fantastic! That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know I can influence someone. Anyway, yeah, I don't, I don't influence many people in my own house, so that's quite a <laughs> quite a pleasant thing to hear. <laughs> and with regards to the T-shirt being a bit snug, I suppose, you know, rather than worrying about new ones being made, I, one alternative is I could go for a run, but I'm not going to lie, yeah. that's probably not that's <laughs> going to happen. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie that to you there. Uh-huh. Um, Okay, uh, Mr. Eaton, before we let you go, should we get to your Bin It, Book It best? Yeah, go on then. Okie doke. For those who have not heard this before, so we can just briefly explain, this is something I'm doing with every person I have on the show. It's going to be a very quick couple of minutes on each topic. Um, And it's almost effectively, you get to play, I suppose, to coin JBL, Wrestling God, or your... (laughs) In, in charge uh, of some wrestling time machine of some description. Um, three top three topics or three suggestions. Um, bin it. You can wipe it from existence. Something that horrific from wrestling or that embarrassing or um, something that bad on television that makes you cringe as a wrestling fan. You can erase it and it's gone forever. Book it is where you think something's gone relatively well but the ending wasn't always for you, or you think you could have done a bit better, better idea yourself, or just wish to have seen something different. And then finally, best is your absolute utmost favourite of something. That could be an event, a pay-per-view you go back to, a particular wrestler you enjoy watching, even maybe just one particular match you enjoy um, put on again and again and again. Um, we'll start with your binet, because I like to try and finish on something positive with your best. So, Mr. Eaton, please take it away. Okay, so for Binet, um, I kind of flicked through a few things, and what I landed on essentially was what really embarrassed me as a kid when I was watching wrestling with my mum in the room, or like you're watching wrestling and somebody walks into the room and goes, "What on earth are you watching this for? Like, what is this utter tripe?" And there's been um, a few of them, hasn't there? There's been a lot of them. So <laughs> you'll find a lot of these, like all of these things that I'm talking about today, WWE things. Because if I'm I'm having an opinion on stuff, um, I tend to to kind of keep my opinions to things that are mass market. Um, but yeah, so it like for Binet, it's gonna it's essentially anything that caused me to feel like that when I was a kid. So you've got things like um, Katie Vick, um, oh, you got May Young's hand, mm. um, literally any one of those like matches where like the women like got basically naked and jumped around in a load of like chocolate pudding or something because when you're like 14 years old and your mum's in the room that's really weird yeah definitely um so yeah i i couldn't pick one but anything anything that you can think of from essentially <laughs> the, the attitude era or shortly afterwards that made you feel a bit like that that, that the cringe to... factor of vince mcmahon television yeah maybe may to... <laughs> <laughs> okay uh your book it sir okay so this almost ended up as my best because it's always like if i'm watching a modern wrestling match and i just want to watch a modern wrestling match as a fan i always go back to it um and it's the don't know if you remember it is the cm punk john cena match from a random raw in the middle of february um which was shortly before wrestlemania where cm punk does the power driver 
Oh my goodness! You'll have to you'll have to explain a bit more. I'm a huge CM Punk fan, but you're not jogging my memory here. Right. So the lead up to this was The Rock was coming in for WrestleMania. Okay. Um, and I think he had just beaten CM Punk for the for the WWE Championship at like whatever the No Way Out. Yeah. Yeah. I think he won it. He might have won it at the Royal Rumble that year or the No Way Out. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um. So. There was a match in the run-up to that WrestleMania um, where, like, John Cena had wrestled The Rock the year before, um, wanted another match, even though it was called Once in a Lifetime. And CM Punk yeah. just <laughs> lost his title, right? And wanted to headline WrestleMania. And this was, like, one of those wonderful kayfabe-blurring moments where, in reality, you know CM Punk's goal in life is to headline a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, like, storyline... CM Punk's goal is to get his championship back. Um, so they have this 25-minute match at the end of a Raw um, where they both, like, obviously know it's a showcase for them. They go in, they do a little bit of everything. There's some chain wrestling in there. Like, John Cena's doing the thing where he breaks out, like, new moves, but does them a little bit off. Um, right. And, like, the match is fantastic. I'll, I'll, um, I'll send you a link to it afterwards. Um, yeah, brilliant. But towards the end of it, like it builds to this peak and CM Punk like looks over at Jerry Lawler and then hits a power driver. And like this is a time where power drivers were like, there was no Cruiserweight Classic. Um, there was no like um, NXT shows with Canadian Destroyers in like a power driver was like unseen on WWE. Yeah, it, it, I think it actually been banned, I think, hadn't it, for a yeah, period for of time, adventures and so on. Um, so like, the crowd who were like already emotionally invested in this match because it was CM Punk John Cena for the right to headline WrestleMania. Um, like just saw something they hadn't seen like in forever. And the whole place like explodes It's fantastic. It's the most brilliant end to the match. And then John Cena kicks out with two. Oh, I like, <laughs> damn it. Um, I, and then, I, 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 I can, I can kind of remember this contest now. Yeah, um, and then, but even like, not remembering it fully, I groan at the scene of it. <laughs> yeah, please carry on. <laughs> it ends pretty much straight after that, which obviously with John Cena going over is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But if I were to rebook that, I'd have Punk go over and I'd have Punk Rock at WrestleMania because like, I was just really looking forward to it. And yeah. it was probably part of the demise of me watching WWE regularly. Yeah, I'm mean, like I said, I'm a huge punk fan myself. So any time to see him work is is great. And uh, the the Rock Cena thing, obviously, I know why they did it. It's the appeal. It's the star the star quality. Again, we keep coming back to that term, I suppose. Um, but I, I would have liked to have seen Cena. Sorry, seen Punk in that slot. I agree with you. Yeah. So I'd have loved uh, to have seen that. And then finally, uh, your best. I was torn between two on this one. Um, okay. So I'll give an honourable mention to the um, Omega Okada series of matches um, from New Japan that sort Fantastic of stuff. elevated Omega to um, like superstar status really briefly. Um, the actual one that won out for me though, because like if I'm studying tag matches, I always end up coming back to it. Is the revivals run in NXT from them starting as the mechanics? Okay. All the way through to sort of that final um, match with DIY, where DIY go over and the entire place like erupts. Yeah, um, I thought that like everything from their their ring work to their booking to everything was just super special. Like right from the minute they started showing up as the mechanics and just being a tag team who did tag team things. Mm-hmm. Um, all the way through to sort of their change to being called the revival and starting to have a bit more of a superstar look. Um, and then the matches with American Alpha were absolutely incredible. Um, and then obviously that went into like a little program and they started doing matches like Enzo and Cass and um, Vaud Villains. And they were all fantastic. They were all really unique. Um, and they all stood out to me. Um, and I just, sort of keep coming back to them and then obviously those final two with diy like the 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 last one that people always um cite as like their favorite tag match um from that year or some say like the the best match of the year or whatever um 
I still think my favorite revival match is the the first um, takeover match with American Alpha. I think it was Dallas. Um, I just think everything was sort of like crisp and fluid and spot on in that match. And like the some of the the things they pulled off that required such like intricate timing, but yeah. just flowed in practice were absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, it made such huge fans of them ever since. Yeah, I'm, I, I can I can completely get on board with that. I I, I love the revival. Um, I, I'm a big fan of tag team wrestling uh, throughout the years. Everything going back as far as the Bulldogs and the Rougeos and all that. I, I love watching back all that stuff. And these guys are almost like a, a throwback at times, aren't they? I know it's yeah. been said a great deal by many more qualified people than myself, but <laughs> you know, it's they are a throwback to those those days of uh, the obvious likeness is Tully and Arn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I I enjoyed watching everything they did in NXT. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Have you seen anything they've done since they've gone to AEW? I've seen bits and pieces. Like I, I deliberately stopped watching wrestling so much um, when lockdown started because when I watch wrestling, I get excited about wrestling. When I get excited about wrestling, I want to go and do wrestling. Um, so it's almost like you're teasing yourself. So yeah, it, it just <laughs> like. It's like, oh, that's really cool. I can't go and do anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, yeah. But I don't know. Like, if if we can get through, like, the next couple of months, um, it seems like training schools are starting to reopen in, like, a COVID-secure way. Mm-hmm. Um, people are starting to come up with ideas for how they can run shows in, in a similar way with um, social distancing enforced and things like that. And it's, you're starting to see... Um, bits and pieces of wrestling coming back um so i'll probably start sort of watching it in earnest again um pretty soon i'll definitely be checking out all the stuff they've done recently when i do yeah okay great well um last of all before i let you go this is a chance to plug yourself um where can people find you uh online whether it's twitter or facebook or anywhere like that and where can people hopefully once lockdown is done and dusted and everything's back up and running where do you uh, recommend company-wise people look out to see your name and then see your work uh, okay so social media wise i am david eaton on facebook um it's, it's a regular profile just search for me um i am heritage city hm on twitter although i've for similar reasons barely been on there um since lockdown started um in terms of companies um i probably going to be popping up at um, places like Exposure Wrestling in Wales. They're a fantastic little place um, that um, do a, just such a great job of getting their homegrown talent over with their with their audiences. Um, guys like Lucky Bowden and Casey Ward down there get such a good following. Um, in Oxfordshire, there's New Breed Wrestling Association. Um, they have a fantastic little training school down there and they're just about to start a um, uh, weekly internet and television show called rising stars they've announced a roster of about 25 people that i'm i'm fortunate to be a part of um definitely worth checking that out on um, i think it's on powered for tv um which is um what i'm not sure the um situation with it but i think it was turnbuckle tv or turnbuckle tv um is was maybe something to do with it but it's it's on powered for tv um powered number four tv um southwest wrestling obviously they um uh have been sort of like my home for the last uh year and a half somewhat i've done um so many great things there um with them including um we started up um something called the uh brit pro challenge cup um which was sort of trying to encapsulate the the spirit of of world of sport british wrestling but but sort of have some sort of modern edge to it um if you head on to youtube actually um go to the southwest wrestling uh youtube page there's a there's a couple of those matches on there um definitely worth checking out uh if you can um and then might end up popping up somewhere in plymouth sometime soon um or cornwall area i've done um, bits and pieces with ocean county wrestling down there i do bits and pieces with reach as well and reach mm-hmm. are fantastic they've got such a good operation going in plymouth um packing out one of the the nicest 200 seat venues that, that you'll ever kind of sit and watch a wrestling show in um at the plymouth school of creative arts um it was, yeah it's such a great setup there um yeah, that's probably it for now, I think. 
Okay, great stuff. Well, um, anyone listening to this then, please go and find uh, David Eaton online. Look out for his name on posters and promotions near you when lockdown is done with. I can tell you now, you will not be disappointed. He, one of my uh, one of my personal favourite wrestlers I've seen uh, at local independent shows. Um, always enjoy his work. Absolutely fantastic. Um, take my word for it. You see his name on a poster, pay the money, go and have a watch. Um, David, thank you very, very much for spending this time with me and... Um, you know, have, having a chat about all things wrestling, and uh, j- just it's just great stuff to be talking wrestling with someone um, with your experience and your intelligence and your knowledge. So, thank you hugely for that. Um, I hope at some stage, hopefully, you know, when when lockdown is done with and you're back working and there's stuff back on the television, I'd love to have you back on and we can talk more about what's going on present day um, and and what we're viewing as lockdown sort of disappears into the background. Hopefully. Yeah, any time, man. Thank you very much, you're too kind. No, no problem. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers.